0: Welcome into the Boy Open Up Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Hildreth. With me as always is my amazing co-host, Christine Stacy. We want to thank everybody for opening up with us and for listening in. We want to remind everybody that the views and opinions here are, are those of solely our own and nobody else's, and that the content that we discuss here can be adult and sometimes graphic in nature, so listener discretion is required. So just catching everybody up, we want to touch back to the last episode. We really dug into Christine's story and what her life was like as a child and even through adolescence and then kind of into high school. For those of you that are new to the Boy Open Up podcast, this whole movement and this whole podcast is about connecting with our feelings, with about transparent communication. with It's about vulnerability. And we feel that the best way to do that is for us directly to connect with the audience so that people know where we come from, what our lived experience has been like, and what our perspective of that lived experience is. Now, when we finished up the last episode, we were kind of talking about a lot about how your life was extremes. And it was like this sheltered, almost to a degree, like this incredibly naive Mm -hmm. level of of sheltered where you were just not exposed to much life outside, but also on the other end of it, it was drastically lonely in a lot of ways. And you talked about that kind of dichotomy of the relationship with your mother and how she was all in on certain things that were very important education. Yeah. um, Just challenging you to draw you out because you were very shy. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And then also a lot of this, like, well, you're on your own kid. Yep. Uh, where you had said at, 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 at 16 or 17, your mom was living with someone else for periods of time. Yeah. And you wouldn't see her for months. Yeah. Where you literally were get up, get yourself ready, eat breakfast, go to school, come home, do school work or were you working?
1: Yeah, I was doing both.
0: Yeah. so you're So you're an adult. Yeah.
1: You're a fully functioning
0: adult, <laughs> basically with two jobs. Because if you're going to school and you're working, you have two jobs.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So for you. Most of my life. Yeah. Which is super normal.
1: Yeah. <laughs> super
0: normal. That's definitely what we want for our children. Yes. Is for them to be without us.
1: Yeah.
0: While we're still physically present on the earth. Yeah. And to provide for themselves in all seriousness. And you're, of course, because of all this, you're doing a lot of moving around throughout your childhood. So there's, like you said, just literally extremes where there's like periods of incredible chaos and periods of. Being absolutely alone in the world.
1: Yeah, and I think I had, I have to put out there that I had a lot of other quote unquote families and sure. people that took care of me. So I started gymnastics, I think, when I was five or six. Yeah. And that's where I started coaching when I was 15, I believe. And I mean, they were family to me.
0: Right. Well, you spent more time with them than your family. Yeah.
1: A lot of times, yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's just because of the nature of your life.
1: Yeah, and I think because they love me, they they took care of my mom, too. Uh, yeah. And, and come to find out, like, years and years later, like, they really took care of us. In, yeah. In a pretty big way, and uh, financially, and just as a support. When I needed yeah. a place to go, I know my mom would contact them and, and let them know, too. Uh, and oh, so, okay. um.
0: You're pretty hard to like.
1: I'm a pretty awful person.
0: (laughs) So I can see why. I'm surprised they did that for you.
1: Me too. I was lucky.
0: Now, at the end of the last episode, you literally said, make sure I tell you about my mom's wedding.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
0: that was like, you dropped that on us right when we were signing off.
1: Right. So I know that this happened. So, So my life up until my mom's wedding, I would say, was... I had major blinders on, and I think part of that was just literally how I coped.
0: Yeah, it's it's called denial.
1: Yeah, I think I had to live like that because... We all do it. My life wasn't normal. Right. I was exposed to things I shouldn't have been exposed to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I also internally was like a... I was a hard worker and a perfectionist and I didn't like to break rules. And so like with things happening around me that were uneasy, I needed to make sure I overcame those. So there's a lot to balance. Uh, And so I just, I lived this way and and
0: yeah, well and the mind literally opens itself to what it can handle. Yeah, exactly. And I
1: couldn't handle much.
0: Well, (laughs) because you were handling so much. (laughs) So it's like, you can say, well, I couldn't handle much. And I think it's really important I'm going to jump in on this part of your story because so many people will listen to this. And I would imagine there's a lot of people that can relate to what you felt and what you experienced in your childhood who say the same thing or think like, well, I just can't handle a lot. Yeah. And that is such bullshit. Like you need to give yourself some credit because what you were handling was the responsibility of a parent and a child at the same time, which is incredible responsibility In your 30s. Yeah. Like, that's an incredible thing to take on in your 30s. When you talk about taking that on in in the midst of adolescence, that is so much emotional gravity. Right. So, yes, you absolutely would walk through life with a lot of blinders on because of what you were dealing with on a daily basis. Yeah. And we all do that. I mean, I I don't want to... Steamroll this here But it's so critical That people understand That we see What we're able to see When we're able to see it
1: Yeah
0: And that happens Parents in
1: their own journey
0: Yeah And that is by design though Like our brains are designed To preserve ourselves And let us survive Mm -hmm. Like That is what we are As an organism Mm is a survival based organism Mm -hmm. So even on an emotional And psychological level We will go into survival mode And I think you can admit this You even do this still, right? Like we both do where we fully go into survival mode. And that's where I have to like, I have to physically draw you back out yeah, because you know how to operate on your own. Yeah. The problem is you're not alone here. Yeah. (laughs) So, but go ahead. Like I want to hear about mom's wedding and let's launch forward into what it was like for you post high school and, and all that.
1: So like just kind of a real quick snapshot again of kind of what's going on here is like a year or two later, I told my story to a very close group of friends in a setting where I was, it was like a Bible study kind of thing, oh. and they were like my closest friends. And they all came up to me afterwards and was like, we had no idea. Right. And so, but again, I'm going into my mom's wedding, like I just have no idea. There was little things, I think at this point I was old enough that I might have had a few gut feelings that... Oh, maybe this isn't normal or whatever. Uh, or, you know, like my young life leaders had expressed some concern or something like that. But, but I, and, but I also, I'm like, Nope, I'm good. I, you're I got like, this. I
0: don't see what the problem exactly. is. Exactly. Not a problem here.
1: Yeah. So my mom gets married. I am, I can't remember if I was dry. I don't, I don't remember if I was driving or not. I was around 15 or 16. Okay. Uh, and the guy had been living with us for a little while. Uh, I didn't talk to him. So he lived with us. I literally, like, would come in, kind of, like, maybe put a hand up, and then I'd go in my room. I did not like him. Never had a good feeling about him. He didn't work. My mom worked every day. Uh, And it just didn't feel right. And the wedding was at this hotel and bar that was right off the highway. You could see it from the highway. It had a big parking lot. And relatives were there i believe some of them were there and some i don't believe were there i don't totally remember this uh but i have a few friends with me and we were we got our own hotel room we got that was kind of a big deal oh
0: wow yes yes especially at 15 16 it's party time
1: yeah well our kind of party you know the like gummy bears and yeah late night cartoons
0: (laughs) yeah that's exactly what i was thinking when i was 15 or 16 now you get me alone in a room for the night, and it is going to be gummy bears and cartoons.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there might have even been some like root beer floats. Woo!
0: Watch <laughs> out, girls!
1: So, anyways. All that
0: carbonation? Sorry.
1: One of my friends, her older sister, was kind of in charge of us. And uh, we all did Young Life together. Like we were, we were just crazy, crazy wild kids. Oh,
0: you were just a wild bunch of kids. And
1: so we're hanging out in the hotel room, and I okay. hear, like, yelling. And I heard my mom, and so I run up to the parking lot. So we kind of run up this hill, and it's just a big, just giant open parking lot. And my mom is getting into a car, and people are yelling, like, no, like, trying to get her keys from her. And I run up, and obviously she is drunk.
0: Intoxicated. Yes. Yeah, like sloppy? Yes. Okay.
1: Yes, Uh, but she is, like, you know, saying how... Much she is hurt by the family, and something had happened in this bar. And she's like, I just have to go. And I'm literally like getting into the car as the car's moving, and she's in the driver's seat. And I'm getting in trying to pull the keys out, and I just couldn't do it because they're not going to come out, but I'm not thinking. And I'm just crying, just like, you can't drive. Like, that's all yeah. I'm concerned about is, like, you can't yeah. drive away. Yeah, you're
0: the parent in this situation.
1: Yeah, and uh, I, I didn't win. She got the door closed and drove away. And so then I went back to my hotel room with my friends. And that was kind of when the blinders started coming off. Sure. And it was pretty traumatic for me because, oh, yeah. again, you have to, like put yourself in my shoes and realize like i i didn't allow myself to see any of that in my eyes it was like my mom and i threw everything like yeah. and all of a sudden like this well and that's
0: a tough situation yeah like you're confronted directly one with the intoxication and the behavior but the embarrassment oh yeah uh on her wedding day for both of you yep. because you're more of the parent at this point in your life yeah So you're embarrassed just as much. Like there's probably, I mean, tell us, like, what are you feeling while this is happening? I mean, genuinely, like one, I would just, yeah, fear, shame, guilt, like what's going on? What are the emotions?
1: So I'll kind of wrap up there and go to another story that will explain it as well. But, uh, yeah, I just, I was very confused. I was very mad, but I was scared to death. Yeah. Uh, And the thing is, like, I didn't see her again. She got on a plane that night or the next morning to go to Mexico with this dude. Uh, And I just, I I think I refused to talk to her. I think I just stayed with my friends for however long and... Uh, I just, I don't really remember. Mm. I just was very, very angry. And hurt. Yeah. And I didn't like this guy to begin with. And so I just, it just was all confusing to me. Like why she would get in a car and like why she was defending him. And uh, I just was confused. And a kid. And long story short, she came back from the honeymoon without him. And I was very thankful for that. Oh, wow. Um. So So
0: it was a good honeymoon,
1: right? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. That marriage ended quickly. Wow. So I was thankful for that. Uh, pretty sure there's a lot of abuse that went on, on the honeymoon and I don't know the details. Um, but but also
0: just a little, a lot of insight into what you were living with.
1: Exactly. Literally. Yeah. yeah, And again,
0: like what a big way for the veil to be lifted Yeah. with, this is what happens before she leaves. Yep. And then she comes back from her honeymoon alone. Yeah. And that's just, I mean, again, though, for you, like that's so much to take in. Yeah. Okay.
1: So along this timeline, uh, again, we have to remember my mom was terminally ill from the time I was born. Right. So there's a few waves of her illness that, that came on as well. One was when I was in fourth grade, around fourth grade, she got so sick. Doctors said later when they looked at kind of her liver and how it, it she should have died back in that fourth grade, Yep. situation. And so I specifically remember where I lived and putting myself on the bus and all this kind yeah. of stuff in fourth grade, which is really hard to like even imagine now, like having a third grader. We have fourth graders. Yeah. Or fourth graders. We have two. Yes. yes. Yeah. And so at that age, my mom was unable to get out of bed. She couldn't drive. She couldn't really feed herself. Um, and so she was very, very ill. Again, after this whole marriage thing, that second wave came on and she, it ended up taking her out of work pretty much permanently at that point in time. Yeah. And so she no longer worked and was really sick and ill and in and out of... I got my license. I drove her in and out of Boston a lot to doctors. And and that was a lot to weed through um, because yes, she was ill. Sure. For sure. Like that's what she ultimately died from. However, like she was definitely... An addict. And, and so, healthy. Yep. And so, uh, the pain would get intolerable, and like she constantly needed pain medication. I had to go and get her medication. Sure. And it
0: just was like, Yeah, you were a caregiver.
1: It was a lot. So then, fast forward, the veil has been lifted. I go to college. I decided to go away to college, which was an incredibly hard decision to go yeah. seven hours away. I knew she was well enough at home. She wasn't working, but well enough to get by. She wasn't going to. She could take care of herself. Yeah. Uh and, and I And it was for
0: you too, to a degree, right? Exactly. I'm, assu- I'm guessing. No, a hundred percent.
1: And that was very hard. I think I had people in my life who very gently nudged me to to listen to that and maybe go. And I think it was the best decision. Uh in my sophomore year, I believe. Uh, or summer before my sophomore year. Uh I came home and I was doing a yard sale at our house and we lived in like basically kind of like the little project area, you know, like the center had a courtyard. And so all these people came to our yard sale and I'm there. And actually my relative who lives out in Oregon now, he happened to be visiting the East coast this time and he was visiting his mom who was basically like my grandma. Yeah. So they're not at our house right now, but they're a town away. And I'm doing the yard sale and my mom comes out as I'm talking to someone and just, I couldn't even tell you what she was saying. And it was just nonsense. And she's just going on and on to this person, making us both very uncomfortable. And then someone else comes up to the yard sale and she does the same thing.
0: Like not making sense. No. Okay. So like incoherent babble. Yes. Okay. Which is horrifying.
1: It really is. Yeah. That's really
0: scary. Especially when you're like, Oh, my mom's. Terminally ill. Yep,
1: and then she turns around, is like, I'm not feeling well, and kind of like just starts like, not falling down totally, but like barely, yeah, like,
0: barely lucid. Yep, like in and out. Exactly. Wow. We
1: had a couple of stairs up to our house, and so she kind of stumbles in the door, and I'm trying to like not scare these people.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, and then I I get her inside. My mom also is a diabetic.
0: Oh, okay. Familiar <laughs> with diabetes. Yeah,
1: let's just add to the list.
0: Yep. So she's having a, I was just going to say, it sounds like a really low blood sugar.
1: Right. And I didn't know a lot about diabetes or anything, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, that must be what's happening for sure. And so I'm like, we need to get you your insulin as fast as possible that I, I didn't know. Um, and so I get her up the stairs and hand her, her like kit. Yep or whatever yeah. and so she like is kind of trying to do it and I am I am not a needles person and so I was not going to touch it give her a shot yeah, yeah but I'm like trying to help her and tell her to do it and she eventually just passes out on her bed yep and at this point in time actually she hasn't like fully passed out I tell her if you don't figure out what's going on right now and you can't communicate with me I am calling 911 yeah like I can't watch right you die to yep and she is, in her craziness, getting more and more mad at me. Yep. And so in the, like, half in and out, she is yelling at me.
0: Yep.
1: And so I finally convince her that I won't call 911 because she's not, she wasn't able to do the needle. Yeah. She's not really coming back. She's in and out of mm-hmm. consciousness. Yep. And I said, you have to let me bring you to the hospital. She's
0: basically severely drunk. At yes. this point, yeah, like yeah, yeah. like for those of you that don't know what diabetes looks like or low blood sugar, because yeah. I'm pretty sure what you're describing is in a severely low blood sugar situation. We'll find out. Yeah, but it is literally like somebody that is intoxicated beyond belief.
1: Yeah, yeah. So she finally agrees. And so we lived uh half a mile okay. from the hospital.
0: So it's a short drive. But yep. you still had to get her to the car and in it.
1: Yep. I got her in the car. I left everything out. Yep. Our yard sale is now a free sale. Yeah. <laughs> and we drove up the hill to the ER. Yeah. And I get her inside and she is just a babbling mess. I'm so embarrassed. And they get her in a room and the doctor immediately comes out to me and says what did your mom take and i said i don't know what you're talking about and he said she must have taken something and he could tell i'm a kid yep and he's being very careful with his words yes. and he's like your mom took something there's something inside of her we need to figure out what it is right and i'm like well she has a lot of medications she has you know diabetes hepatitis blah blah, blah. um and he's like well we need to know what she took and so i lived right down the hill so I said I'd run back and collect everything. I literally bought a basket
0: of her pills.
1: Of everything I could find in the house. Uh and brought it back up. And I didn't know what half of them meant. Sure. Uh <laughs> to this day I don't know exactly what happened. Yeah. They wouldn't tell me. Um I was probably like twenty at the time. Yeah. Nineteen, yeah. maybe. And I called my relative who yeah. happened to be visiting, and they came to the hospital and when my mom started coming back to she got really mad at me and just started telling me how horrible of a daughter I am. Because and, you called family. Yep. Huh? And, I, and I brought her to the hospital and all this stuff. Right. Blah, blah, blah. And at this point, like you know, again, the veil's been lifted. I'm trying to piece together what's going on in my life, who oh. she is, what she's doing, because I am starting to figure out there's lots of lies going on. Sure. And I lost it. And I was like, I am done. And I left her at the hospital and I got in wow. my car. This was like the, one of the first like major decisions I made in my life. And I will get emotional talking about that, but I got in my car and I had a boyfriend at the time who lived an hour and a half away. Yeah. And I went and I stayed at his house and she called multiple times before I took any calls. Yeah. Uh, and eventually was very apologetic sure. about the whole situation. And understood that like, if, She was in my shoes being the daughter to your mom. And you're seeing your mom practically dying in front of you. It felt like that you would do the same thing. But to be told that you're a horrible person and how selfish of you.
0: Yes. What an uncouth (laughs) act you took by taking her to the hospital (laughs) and then calling in family to be there to support her. Yeah. Yeah. You're an awful
1: person. Right. So after that event, I would say our relationship was a lot rockier. I'm uh, very tense, and I started going counseling. Starting piece together what an sure. addict is, what codependency is.
0: Well, I... and, yeah, and well, I mean, what what kind of feelings are you feeling? You know, in that moment, let's unpack that because I'm sure a lot of people have had maybe not that situation, but moments where they feel those kind of feelings, where you're literally going out of your way to save someone's life. Yeah. And then they project their own feelings onto you by telling you what a horrible job you've done. Yeah. <laughs> and make you feel less than for the mistakes that they made. Yeah. What, is, what does that do for you?
1: I, I think I just lived in anger for a couple years. Yeah. Uh, I was very confused. I was very loyal to my mom. And that yeah. word, I still to this day do not like people saying the word loyal. And I don't even like saying it because to me, it's a negative word.
0: Right. Uh, when it's mom, not.
1: Right. <laughs> but my mom would always use it to manipulate. Sure. And oh. And she would always say like, you're my daughter. You're the only one who's loyal to me. Yeah. And And then she would, you know, affirm it like, man, you're just so loyal. When family's not, you're just, you know. An amazing daughter. I'm so proud of you. You're so loyal to me.
0: Right. And so it has just this awful connotation Yeah. to you now because at times it was used to both build you up. Yeah. But also to tear you down. Yeah. At the same time. Without you realizing that that's what it was for. It was just grooming you.
1: Yeah. And to make me uh, less trusting of, of others. others. And outsiders. Mm-hmm. And including our family.
0: Yeah. Well, and what an interesting dichotomy too, because like you, you talk about it and and this is, I think, important for people to know that by no means do you have ill feelings towards your mother. May she rest in peace. Like you loved her very much. She was also incredibly generous, uh, incredibly dynamic, funny. Mm -hmm. She just was sick in so many senses of the word, physically, mentally, and emotionally.
1: No, our, uh, my family, so she has two sisters and now I have a... Very good relationship with one and a good relationship in general Mm -hmm. with my family. I wish I was closer to them physically. I'm very far away, but, uh,
0: hint to you, Bostonians, (laughs) you should just move out here.
1: Wink, wink. Uh, but when we have gotten together to talk about my mom, you know, you always talk good and about the positives after someone dies. And we talked often about like that demon that she just was never in her life able to like fully let go of, get, get rid of. Yep. Yeah. Um, and the secrets she held on to, she was never able to fully open up. Mm. If those things were something she was able to do, like she would have ruled the world. She would have been the president. <laughs> uh, like right. she just was that dynamic.
0: Limitless potential.
1: Oh yeah. She yeah. just was very inspirational. Well,
0: and you always speak with her and I mean of her with like a reverence to yeah. a degree where you're like, man, she just was this like larger than life. Like you couldn't believe it. Walks in the room and she owns the room kind of person. And then at the same time though, literally couldn't get out of her own way uh, because she was just sick. And, and I think that for so many of us, that's critical to understand that, like you said, like she was never able to open up. Yeah. So for those of you that are listening, that maybe you're in this place. Yeah. Maybe you are Christine's mom. Yeah. Right. Or maybe you're Christine. like. The only way through it is to open up. And you Mm -hmm. talked about, you went to counseling immediately Mm -hmm. after this and you got involved in, Mm -hmm. in searching out what was going to be healthy for you. And that's what we're going to dive into in the next episode is like, what did life look like for you once the veil was lifted and you began doing this work? And then what did life look for you after? Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. There's, there's a lot that went on, uh, right towards the end there. So we'll. We'll finish up there.
0: We'll unpack it there. Thank Mm -hmm. you guys for listening, for opening up with us. We'll talk to you soon.